guy just calls me when he's outside and he goes, I'm not coming. So I started freaking out. Bosco, What's up, how you Jay? doing? Good to see you. Welcome to the podcast studio. If I can have you take off your shoes. Mario Bosco, what's up, buddy? What's up, brother? What's up, dude? Bro, I feel like you and I, in the past uh, past few months, we've gotten tighter. We're boys we are now. Tight. You know, I was saying that to myself walking here. I'm walking the wrong way. Well, you just gave us, you just but, gave my location. I don't want to get ops, to, so we'll, we'll blurp out where you just said. I don't need ops here, you know what I'm saying? Opponents. I didn't give him your door address or the yeah, bell but, or yeah, ring. Yeah, but you said the street, bro. I don't need people on my street, man. Very holy street, man. Well, good to see you. Continue anyway. Okay, so and I said to myself, like, what? Can I put my feet on the couch? Yeah, bro. Okay, and you know what? He just said it. He just said what I wanted to hear. We've gotten tighter. You know, he invited me to do the podcast last time, and it was fantastic. Yeah, and I loved it. We, we had a great time. And then he said, "Hey, I got a comedy show I do at Moxie." He goes. On Uncle Grand Street, and if you guys have not seen Ted Bowery, Jones, Bowery, Con- Bowery, right next to Grand, though, ran next to Grand in the Bowery. Pardon me, pardon me. The place is fantastic. They got awesome food, amazing bar, and this man right here, Mr. Ted Jones, puts together a fantastic comedy show. So. He put me on the show, and it was great. And then I always see, like, hey, you, you have a show up. By the way, hey, if you're missing anybody, why not? You know, it doesn't hurt to ask. Some people get annoyed. I say, fuck you. If you get annoyed, too bad. Because I'm a commodity, not a problem. And he's like, yeah, somebody jumped out. Come on. And I happen to be coming off Canal Street. Like, I just come the D train grand. And I just happened to be nicking off that corner. And he says, yo, you want to come? And I was like... No, I was on Canal, my Mulberry and Canal. He's like, yeah, you want to come by? He goes, somebody opened up. I was like, yeah. Yeah, you, you told me you were on Mulberry, so I was like, perfect, come uh, in, and do it's a funny, And it's funny, right? He says, a spot just opened. The line spot, P-O-S-P-O-T. The T was still <laughs> blinking, and I hit yes. And he's like, all right, come by. And I got to say, a second time on his show at the Moxie, fantastic show. Put together well, host well, getting the audience up well, getting me up so I could go to my next spot well. Just amazing. I, I told him, like, I want to do your Connecticut show. And I would make the trip to Connecticut because I have love and inspiration for the future of this business. I've been in show business 37 years. I yeah. just recently turned 50. Yeah, but comedy, so comedy more recently, right? Comedy, six years. Going to be seven-ish, like, but it's six. But but in the six years, remember, I had 34, what's he, six, 30, 30. I had 30, 31 years of show business behind me. Movies. Maybe even more than that, because I remember you were telling me about the time you met Bill Cosby when you were like 14 years old, yeah, right? Yeah, 14 years uh, old. That's when you were right, like starting yeah, so to get was into 30, it. It was 36 years ago. I'm 50 now, 34, 36, and 14. You said 34 years. I was giving you more credit. I gave okay. you a couple extra years. So it was, <laughs> so it was, I was 14 and it was 36 years ago. Mm-hmm. But 30 years ago, knowing what show business was, um, you know, prior to me being a comedian, it was auditions. And and I had a process. Every day was a process. My mother said, but what is this house? A house, a kitchen, or the mailroom? Man, there was a stack of 
mylar yellow envelopes, yellow, green, whatever, white, whatever they called. You had a stack of headshots printed, very expensive, black and white, with a resume attached on the back and then a cover letter. And then you had to have a cassette tape or a DVD. When DVDs came out, we were all excited as actors because we were like, we don't have to spend that extra three bucks for the cassette tape. Now it's a very thin <laughs> disc. You pouch it in and you... And it used to be an assembly line. So it used to go, boom. One would be the headshot. That would be the cover letter. When I was born, A-Tracks was out. Yeah. A-Tracks, LPs. So you went from the classic heavy crystal thing that were made out of some fiberglass or some uh, physical heavy material of LP, which was albums. And that's where classical albums came in. And then they went to more of a bendable plastic because of the chemical. A lot of people died of cancer because of making those albums. Then... Oh, like people on the production line making CDs? Well, it wasn't CDs. They were records. They were LPs. Oh, stuff where you put down the... Yeah, the needle. It's like Mario Bosco today today on the the Jimmy Kimmel show. Yeah. Enjoy. So, <laughs> so we went from the heavy LP to the to the basic flip flop LP. Then we came out to the well, there was eight tracks at the same time. Then they went to cassette tapes. And cassette tapes, you would be like, I we used to record a cassette tape. It was cheaper for us to record a cassette tape conversation to my aunt in Italy than to physically call her on the phone. Why? Because it was very expensive in the 80s to call Europe. It was very, very heavy expensive. So you would put it on a cassette tape. And you'd send it to her? And we'd put it in the cassette box, the little plastic container that it came with. And then we'd give it to one of the paisans. And they would take the cassette tape to my aunt. And she had a a stereo with cassette. And she'd hear about an hour, an hour and a half, two hours of us arguing and conversations. Oh, that's so funny. And I love to find some. I told my aunt recently, I says, if you go back to your house, I says, I want to try to find those cassette tapes because it really... Now that my mom's gone and my dad's gone, I would love to hear that purity. Like, we only called for holidays and birthdays and once in the summertime. It's like a really long voice note. It, that, like, yeah, we have it's on like, ciao, zia, come stai, come sta le cugine, come sta la famiglia, tutto bene, si, noi siamo bene qui, and my mother would jump in. So, how long do, would it take for you to send it to her and then to hear back? Would that be like a month-long process? No, we we wouldn't hope to hear back. You know, oh. maybe they would call it, but we'd get a thing the cassette would put it we go see a paisan which was like a f- italian people that we knew that were going to italy for the summer okay and we just give her a cassette tape and maybe some my mother would buy some toys or a little day little package and she would put it in a suitcase and they take it my aunt and say this is from your sister and your nephew and then my aunt would play it and maybe my aunt would call us because she had more money but other than that it was a it was a disaster but so then after eight tracks and cassettes came out CDs. And that's when soon after cassette tapes, where we would do cassette tapes, the video camera. My father, I broke my father's ball so bad for a video camera. We would make videos and we would put the cassette tape and we would send cassette tapes to Italy or to, to for auditions. And they were very expensive. But wait, you use the cassette tapes for video also? Or it was just for audio? No, the cassette tapes were audio, the videotapes. Okay, but the videotapes were different than the cassette tapes. Yeah, yeah, yeah the videotapes were, uh, I don't know, one by one, two, well, one by two. What kind of stuff did you shoot with the video camera when you got it? 
you know, a lot of uh, neighborhood stuff, snowstorms. Oh, like Mario on the street? Mario on the street, but it wasn't like me, <laughs> no. me talking to somebody on the street. Yeah. It was more like... Selfie video? Yeah, like, no, not even selfie. Like, here's a snowstorm. My neighbor's dog just took a shit on the snow. Uh, uh, the guy just ran over the cat. Or, Do you still have these videos? I, I gotta have them someplace. Yeah, you gotta I, convert them to... DVDs, put it in the computer, and then put it on YouTube. Yeah, That'd be dope. That would be dope because yeah. I have a lot. I used to go around. My first video camera, you needed to walk around with a suitcase. I swear. <laughs> and like a long cord, it, too? It, no, the, or you the, charge the, it? No, so the camera was big, and it had a cord that you would put the cassette tape in the in the suitcase. And uh, the videotape. You'd put the videotape in the, in the suitcase. You close it you press record and you'd put it on your shoulder like you're carrying a like a suitcase and then you'd have your camera and the, all the wiring was into that and and it vice versa audio this and that and you would and it have a big microphone just like this one and and you would go around and you would videotape then came out the one where you didn't need it where the tape just went right inside the camera and we went i went for that one then they had the small <laughs> tapes you i went for that one and then iPhones came out, and the cameras kept getting better and better. And I was like, I don't need to walk around. I got a camera on my phone. I could. Did you ever want to be a journalist? I did. I really did. That yeah. was part of who I thought I would be. I like a weatherman journalist or just like being on the nightly news type? Uh, Not nightly news. I love to be the nightly news. But um, my dream and my hope is that one day real soon as I get to go to NASDAQ and close the bell, hit the bell. Oh, love it. Yeah, my, my, my thing is I'll end up fucking it up and I'll go, wait, it's a minute over the time. Oh, <laughs> shit, we got to come back tomorrow to hit you the bell. Yeah, you show up a little late to the bell ringing. Imagine I show up like, Maybe. I show up here late. <laughs> it's okay, man. And they'll be it. like, well, you're okay. I don't yeah. think NASDAQ would be okay. <laughs> they might do for Mario Bosco. Come on, dude. They extend it a little bit. They're like, today we're closing the bell at 4.01 due to Mario being... Well, 30 bell, seconds bell, late. Bell's close. Was it 4.30? 5 o'clock? 5 o'clock. They might close at 4.30. 4.30? They might. We'll pop it up right here. We'll see. Either one of us is uh, right or wrong. I said four. He said five. We'll settle at 4.30. I think it is 4.30. I'm not sure. I think 4.30 is when they get around and yeah. at five o'clock is when they close the bell. When's the last time you went to Italy? I went to Italy in 2000. I did some, I was doing NYPD Blue and I had just done a big, big interview with ABC's 2020 and some European German TV show found out about me, Nicolas or whatever the name was showed, and they'd have a translator. So I was on and they decided to put my mother on and, and they would ask my mother a question in Italian and my this translator would transfer it from Italian to German and the person on the TV would hear it in German and they would compile the conversation. Well, how good is your Italian? Very good. Yeah. So I, I could speak Italian or I could speak Sicilian. I'm learning the Napolitan, but the Napolitan is like, hey, what's that? Like street talk? Yeah, more like the street talk in Napoli. And if you want real Italian, ciao, signora, come stai oggi? Si, hai mangiato? Si, vuoi un poco di acqua? Oh, si, signora, voglio le pinnole, voglio la pasta. You sound like a voice over at the airport. Yeah, and if you go like... <laughs> over the loudspeaker. Yeah, over the loudspeaker. <laughs> signore, signore, buongiorno, siamo qua in Italia, airport in California. Siamo qua in Italia, da ora si parla con si. 
And and you would and that's how they talk in the airports. I know you had a book that released in Barnes and Noble. You did like a meet and greet. Did you ever think about me, translating that to Italian and releasing it in Italy? I was. Um, I got screwed from the company for a lot of money. The book actually cost me thirty thousand. Bro, eight thousand to write because I needed a co-writer because yes. I'm an illiterate from Brooklyn. Sorry. <laughs> so I, I gave credit to this girl and then I got a publicist uh, for two thousand a month for one year. Fantastic person. She tried her hardest. Two thousand a month. Twelve months was twenty four thousand. My mother wanted to kill me. I could use that money right now, and I. But I did get into every Barnes and Nobles. I made it to Texas, but I didn't get to play Texas. I got the book into Texas because my mom got diagnosed with breast cancer, and I couldn't. I Sorry my head was that. my mother was uh, my head was in another world. Yeah. So. From Texas, but I did PA, Atlanta, Georgia, Las Vegas, Los Angeles. I did all Florida. I did, I did everywhere. Washington. And what, what year was that? Or like it, what the, years was The book came out in twenty July fifteenth, twenty fifteen. Okay. So it will be in two years. It'll be ten years. Do you have any dreams or aspirations uh, to maybe the, bring the book back? I'm looking at doing a hot. second one. Like I gotta collect another thirty thousand. <laughs> if anybody out there wants to donate thirty thousand, there you are at Mario Bosco Venmo. Yeah, Venmo at Mario Bosco. No, um, Mario Bosco comedy actually. That's yes, it it's Mario Bosco comedy. If you want to, <laughs> I'm a broke star. No, I, 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 I have plans for a second one because the first book talks about, um, my health. What happened to me? Why well, I am like this? And then it goes into me meeting Bill Cosby in twenty, yeah, at nineteen eighty six. And then it goes from the Cosby Show, and it goes through. And I like I want to do today, like being a comedian and um, inspirational stuff. I always have inspiration stuff in my book and cooking and stuff. But I want to do, and I also want to do a cookbook. Can we talk about the the book and how it kind of starts? And what was it like having health issues as you? Talked about, and then also growing up in uh, Brooklyn. If you want well, to talk about that, growing up, I, I grew up in a mid nice area. It was originally all Italians, and then more uh, Jewish people moved in. And they're really nice, very nice neighbors, Orthodox Jewish. Um, they mind them themselves, you know. But if you see them, they say hi. They, you say hi. I was born with a rare disease called panhypopituitarism. Um, it's a malfunction of the pituitary gland. My mother was pregnant, and the doctor decided to give her. She had a cold and maybe not felt well. It was January, and he gave her cold medicine. And once your water breaks, your baby's bound to come out, whether it's in an hour, eight hours, or 24 hours, your baby's coming out. At the least, they're going to do C-section, snip, snip, and pull the baby up. He gave it a cold medicine. Her water broke. They gave it a medicine, and I was born. And how many months pregnant was she at that time? She was she was nine months. She was in fact. Um, I'm a, from what I did, she was either just a little about to do or overdue. Either way, I was born, and you know, proud eight ounce eight eight ounce and change and a big baby. Eight pounds and change. Eight pounds and change. Sorry, ounces. Ugh, I'll be a tiny little. <laughs> worse than what I was I am thinking. Now. I was like, what? No, eight pounds, is, I think it was eight pounds, six ounces, or seven like ounces, normal. whatever. Normal baby, beautiful size, you know, and and then came to the feeding. And that's when, like, start with the bottle. Mm, he doesn't want it. Okay, maybe he's fussy. He's had a, you know, maybe because he was just born. Okay, give him a, try the breast. Didn't want it. Just try a different bottle. Maybe the nipple's bothering him. Maybe some. 
and they came to discover that I had a malfunction, why I couldn't eat. And they're like, we need to put him in an incubator and we need to find out why he's not eating. Like, and was this like a week after you were born? Um, they moved quick, so within days. And it is that most incubators are made for preemies. And it's some kind of thing that this incubator does that makes them healthy, stay healthy. They don't die. They stay in the incubator and they grow and whatever it is that it does. And they, they couldn't put me in mind because I was a big baby. So they rushed me to Mount Sinai. At least they had the brains to say, hey, let's go bring him to Mount Sinai Hospital because he... he it's not going to survive here. Well, what do you mean brains going to Mount Sinai? Is that a Bec more advanced hospital that can deal with yes, that? Yes, yes, yes. Mount Sinai Hospital at that time had a really huge baby unit. Okay. And they moved me there and right away put me in an incubator. I spent my first seven months there. What the hell's breaking chops here? Someone's calling you? Yeah, my cousin. You want to pick it up? Yeah. Yo, what's up? Mario's cousin. Put put his thing on the in the microphone. What's up? It's Ted. It's Ted Jones, brother. How are you? You're alive on Ted Jones You're show. You're live, buddy. On the Ted Jones show. On the oh, Ted Jones you, world. Man. I'm a big fan of yours. I watch you guys all the time. Hear you all the time. Love you it, man. Awesome. Thanks so much, dude. Why are you calling Mario? We got to know. We got more. Mario is my agent. You know, he's got to give me some comedy shows and you know performances to do, and he's not doing his job. <laughs> well, I'm sure he'll call you back after the podcast then. All right, call me back. Goodbye. Dude, I just handled that like I'm your assistant, by the way. Anyway, yes. <laughs> anyway. Back to the story. Yeah, you went to Mount Sinai. Go went ahead. to Mount Sinai, spent my first seven months, and that's when they discovered, I got an itch, sorry, allergies. They discovered that there was a problem, and they said that we, they did. With your pituitary gland? Well, they couldn't figure that out for the first whatever months. They, they had needles in my feet. I ripped up some pictures, and I'm sorry I did. Um, what do you mean? Because I had needles here, needle here. Why'd you rip up feet. some pictures? I, I ripped them up because I didn't want to see them. I didn't want to know that that was me. I didn't. How wanna... old were you at that time? I was seven months. I was three. No, no, no. When you ripped up the pictures? Uh, I, I think I, I ripped them up because I was exhausted of always being hospitalized. I was hospitalized probably six, eight times a year. Damn, bro. Twice for a mission because, and then. Four or five times for convulsions. So how old were you when you ripped those photos out? Were you like 15, I, 16? No, I think I was younger. I think I was like nine or 10 or eight. And I just couldn't. And I had had, um, so after the, I got out of the hospital, they realized what I had. They ordered me some uh, medication, life medication. It's a shot of cortisone and a shot of growth hormone. And the growth hormone came, the cortisone was to control the the thyroid and the sugar, blood sugar, and the growth hormone was for me to develop and grow. And, you know, after having that for a long time, we're going 19 years. My dad died when I was 19, and I think my last shot was like I was 17 or 18. And it's like, wow, it's like enough already. It's like visiting the hospital. You had to, obligation had to go for, um, personally visit probably about eight times a year. Did you feel like you were missing out on the childhood experience? Yes, yes. The childhood experience, the bike rides and the, you know, my mother would bring my schoolwork and I'd throw right in the garbage. I was the worst student. Didn't want to have nothing to do with school. Didn't want to have nothing to do with books. I didn't know if I would live or die. There was no expectations on me 
becoming an entertainer one day and, and seeing 50. I mean, seeing 50 was like, wow. Because the way they were talking, um, so the government paid for my medication and it's not fun because they do a test called a fat test biopsy. They also call it a bone marrow test and it is the worst to be done. They had to time me, and they did this, I want to say twice guaranteed, but I'm possibly could, could be three or four. They tie me to the bed because I, you're not getting me. I run around naked. I don't care. I don't want no needles. I don't want nothing. And they tied me to the bed, and they numb my butt really fast, and that hurt. That hurt. That was like splitting wood. And I, I don't have a lot of fat to start with. I was very skinny. I was at one point, I think nine years old, and I weighed less than 40 pounds, like 36 or 37, 38 pounds, 39 pounds, whatever it was. And they put this needle in me, and then they took off the, and you would think they were done, and they took off, I don't know if they put another needle in, or they took off the syringe from the numbing needle and left the needle in and connected this tube, and they would scratch it against the fat of the butt. And they, that was called a bone marrow test. And me tell you right now, hell on wheels. I actually have on wheels. I actually have heard that the bone marrow test is one of the most painful things you could get done to your body. I think if they said to me, uh, go spend six months in jail, get that done, I'd take the six months in jail. Because it it's not, and you, you'd be like, but once you're numb, it's not even about that. Then you can't sit for a while because now... You're inflamed and you're in pain and you, you and they leave and they walk out. I mean, the worst for me was being admitted to be checking my levels, see what my levels are, my growth, of, and and having uh, come in Monday morning. So we would go to the hospital Sunday afternoon, Sunday night, and we'd go in and they would say, "Don't give me anything after a certain time." No eating, no drinking. Yeah, either we go in Monday early or we go in on that, and we go in. And they would do a needle. They would do a needle blood. Or they would do an IV bag, and 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 it was. Um, and they would do they would do rings, and to put the needle in, you there was hell to be paid. And I constantly, constantly, like I thrown my mother no right down the thing. Oh, what happened? Oh, they just gave it to me. It's right here. It's something. My mother like, go shut your mouth. Don't even say a word because I was tired of it and. To me, that the, they would put a needle and they would knock on the door. You would hear like that. You got neighbors? Yeah. Fuck them. <laughs> <laughs> you would get that knock at 7.30 in the morning. My mother would go, go, ch- go start another child. And then you come back. He's sleeping. He's very tired. He was nervous all night. My mother make every excuse. But at one point, by, by 10 a.m. at the latest, they had to start this because 12 o'clock came lunch. So they wanted it in by... 7 30 8 o'clock if all the kids were done by 9 a.m that had the needle in then by 11 11 30 they'd get it out and then they the doctor come in and check you and then you would get the um you get your lunch what were some of your more positive memories from childhood <sighs> meeting bill cosby getting into show business um it's like i found a whole new mario i found a whole new um human being who I was, um, the worst for me was the tube feeding. I was fed by a tube for many years. From I what was, age to what age? 
I think they started at either nine or ten, and I went to about fourteen. And this was just because you weren't hungry and you didn't yeah. want to eat. Yeah, I and the stuff that they were feeding you was gross. Like you didn't no, want to eat it. No, it wasn't even gross. It was the, the, you, you, I would be home. We'd go. My mother would go food shop, and I'd want any cereal that they had, and I'd eat one spoon, two spoons, and I'd be full. We'd go to McDonald's, and my mother, I would break it. I want a kids meal, kids meal. One bite of the burger, two French fries, and a sip of soda, and the party was over. And so the doctor said, he's not going to survive because as more time grows, your body needs that nutrition and he needs the nutrition to grow. The, the, even if you become a dwarf and it's in a nice positive, if you're small in size, I'll put it that way, okay? If, even if you're small in size and you still have to have nutrition to keep your bones strong, to keep your heart strong, to keep your nerves strong, I wasn't. I wasn't um, strong at all. And they said that uh, the, my survival rate was very low because I was very too weak and I would either get a very bad disease or a very bad um, uh, infection that would be very hard for me to fight. And they said, God forbid he gets some kind of a disease that he's he will never be able to fight it because he was too weak. So they came up with a uh, tube feeding. I was already in for that week for that IV. And they doctor said, let's try this thing. And I remember it. I, they put a tube in. I pull it out. The tube in. I'd pull it out. Tube in. I pull it. The last one I pulled out, I slapped the doctor. Doctor turns to my mother and says, you better get your husband on the phone. My mother goes, why? What's the matter? I'm about to beat the shit out of you, kid. <laughs> so... <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, what's the matter, doctor? What's the matter? Well, he goes, your son doesn't want to cooperate. So, my father comes, and, and I remember my father gave me that look, you motherfucker, I'm going to break your head open. And the doctor says to my father, Mr. Bosco, listen, because the situation is this, and we're, we're trying this product out. If it works, it'll improve his life. It'll make him better. He'll be able to have a real life. And But he's not cooperating with the tube. And my father said, you know what? It's okay. Let him die. And, and <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, my father said, you know what? Let him die. <coughs> and, and the doctor looked at my father like he had six heads, and he goes, Mr. Bosco, listen to me carefully. Either the tube goes through the nose or a hole in the stomach. I could promise you one thing. Before I go to lunch, something's going to change it. And I'm not the kind of person to bow down and say, hey, I'm sorry. If I make a mistake, yes, I will say I'm sorry. But if I'm not the kind of go, okay, put the tube in me, no problem. And they said, so I, my father goes, what do you want to do? <laughs> I said, you know me, I'm a little kid. I'm on top of the bed on this hospital. I'm like, uh, he goes, I'm going to try the nose again. What do you want to do? And my mother, Mario, no, 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 I don't want it. I said, all right, let's go schedule. An, uh, uh, can we Dr. Morris schedule uh, for a surgery in the morning? I'll put it in your put, stomach. Put in a hole in your stomach. But I'm going to promise you that tube goes in your stomach. He goes, there's going to be a filter that you're going to have to change it. And if it gets infected, he's going to be here and here again. And there'll be IV and there'll be more needles. And I went, okay. Put the tube down my nose. No problem. And you were good? No anesthesia? No, no anesthesia. I nice. mean, I did it. My father ended up putting it in every night, every night. Cause I would for pull how it long? For four years, maybe. Damn. I put it in, and I'd pull it out. 
I put it in. He'd put it in, and I pull out. What the, kind of stuff did they put in the feeding tube, though? So it's it these like cans. No, it was these cans. They look like um, the color of that paint on the wall, a little darker, like a cream color. Yeah. Now, doctor said if he could drink it, God bless him. You open that can. It was all protein. It was like you went. Your eyes were turned. It was like <laughs> you just want by the whiff of it, you want to go. Yeah. So, so it's like you couldn't you couldn't handle it. And then it would go. We had a computer in the house with an IV pole, and there was a box, and you would put the pen. The, you would put two cans of those and one can of water, and that would last all night. And then in the morning, I would take it out before going to school, and I would throw up because it would give me acid before my body wasn't used to it. I did it for four years until one day I said, I'm going to kill myself. I don't want this no more. I don't want to kill myself. And I pulled it out. And I, my father said, okay, you don't want it. That's it. No more. No more. And, and the doctor said, look, we did it for three years. We got him up to about 60 pounds. And So when did this change? When did you start eating on your own where you're able to go to a place like the shop and that, eat burgers? I think that um, now, I think that that tube feeding helped me open up my expansion because they say that a normal person's stomach even though your stomach is this big it's tight like the size of a quarter mine was the size of 10 cents oh and it can expand the more you eat right the more you eat the more your body expands you, yeah you know you you're only going to grow to a certain part part you know to a certain point yeah and then your body's got to expand somehow so it's either going to be your legs or your butt or your stomach or your face you're not gonna. It's not gonna go up. It's just gonna go wider on the. It's gonna go wider on the ends. It seemed like your dad was pretty hard on you. Was there stuff that he had taught you in life when he was around that really stuck with you? Um. Nah, I mean, you know, always respect. You know, we would, we would fear my dad. My mother would let like we'd get away with him. We'd fear my my dad. Get my daddy would just touch his belt and we'd just. You had siblings. I have a sister. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I lived with my sister. But, you know, it was great having parents that had that came from hard times. My father was born in 1930. He, they, they, he was born around the time of the, before the war. So he like depression, too. Depression, the war, uh, the, the hunger in Italy, the hunger in the United States. He came here in 19... Uh, when did he come here? He was born in 30. He came here when he was, I think, in, in 32. He came here when my my uncle was being born because then, then he went back to Italy. He, my grandmother had my uncle back in Italy. Then he came back at 17 or 16 or 17, and and he stayed here for a little bit. No, he came back at 15 because my grandfather died, and then he went back to Italy, and then he came back. What kind of stuff was he doing when he got to the States? Uh, work. Like, yeah, work-wise. Uh, he was always like a seamstress because that was what all the paisans did. One guy got the job, you know. There was mailman, but my father didn't have the American education to be a mailman or to be a teacher or to be a lawyer or to be a doctor. Or to be. So they knew one thing. You either go sell cigarettes, you work in a cashier, in a cafe, selling coffees, or you're going to go and be a seamstress. And my father became a seamstress, and he made pockets for suits for Pierre Cardin. And he was doing that throughout your life for the most yeah, part? Yeah. How many hours a day was he working doing that? He leaves 7.30 in the morning, probably get in for 8.30, quarter start at 9, and he was home by 
Just six o'clock, six thirty. Oh, okay, so like a nine to five ish, maybe a few more hours. Yeah. You, did you have a good relationship with your dad though, yeah. growing up? Besides yeah. fearing yeah. him, yeah. So um, what, what was that like though? Because people hear you saying that you feared your dad, and well, I feared my dad it, because he was be weird to because like him because um. Sorry, I stepped on your. Go ahead, just start from I feared my dad, and then we'll go. I feared my dad because uh he was he was tough, and tough love means like so I had fought for my father to quit smoking because I was very scared I was going to lose him. And uh, was he smoking like a pack a day? Uh, he was two packs a day. Ooh. Yeah, Winston. And heavy smoker. And I got him down to Carlton's. My father would smoke Carlton's. They were very light. <laughs> They're lighter? Do they have he, a filter? They had a filter. They all had, even Winston had a filter. Oh, but okay. he would he still would smoke um, a pack of the Carlton, which were like very light, very, very light tobacco. Even though he, I should have made him quit completely, yeah. he, he did that. And I figured lighting up his tobacco would save his life. Maybe he'll quit like that. And I would count every cigarette. I was very OCD, so I would count like, okay, so he opened the pack today, new pack. Did you tell him that you were counting though? Yeah. Oh, he must have hated that. He hated it, but (laughs) you know what he was doing? He would throw, he wouldn't disappoint me. So he, he went and bought marbles and Winston's, and he'd keep a pack in his shoe. And when he would smoke them, and then he would throw them out. He'd throw them in the toilet flush because he knew that if I, if I saw, um, I'd flip out. And then one day I came home, and I said, Ma, Ma, what, did, what happened here? Why is Daddy have a cigarette? This is not just a call. And I went crazy, and my mother goes, Yeah, we found the one in the coat. He wanted to smoke. Well, what's the matter? What's the big deal? I'm like, no, he's supposed to smoke these. He said, what, I got him, I got him these. And he, he, um, when my dad died, my mother, we were in the limo, and he was telling, she was telling my sister or my aunt, my father's brother's wife, he was telling her, and he goes, yeah, he'd keep them on the table, but in the shoe he had the Marlboros, and then, or this Winston's, and he'd smoke them, and then he'd throw them away before, he goes, he wanted to make him happy, so he kept, you know, he kept playing, he kept doing what he had to do. When did you realize that cigarettes were that bad for you? Was it like somebody in school had taught you that? Well, it was, we'd always known, we were taught, don't smoke, don't do drugs, say no. Bill Cosby always said, say no to being in part of the Cosby show and be part of the, the Cosby set. You had to be drug-free 1,000%, no coke, no weed, no nothing at all. And at that time, it was more of the cocaine in the 80s. Yeah, the, when it was good, they say. Yeah, well, I don't know. I <laughs> Without the fentanyl, I mean. Well, I've actually <laughs> lost a lot of people with that fentanyl. I've, uh, really? A lot of, lot of like young. Like more recently? Very recently. Damn. I just went to a wake about a year ago. Um, it's going to be two years in November, actually. Just realized it. And died right before Thanksgiving. What a gift he left his mother. She still, still broke hearted. She knew he was on drugs and the pills, and he got on, I, I guess she, she doesn't know exactly what he was doing, and it, it was fentanyl. At that time, 13 other kids or 12 other kids died of fentanyl. Like in Bensonhurst? In Bensonhurst, Staten Island, yeah. in the Bronx, you know, so the you, Did you ever try drugs growing no. up? Were you ever peer pressured to do it? 
No, I never was peer pressure. I tell you why, because we had a drug program in my neighborhood. And every Wednesday there was always the the gathering and like the the people that were part of the program, the the ones that went away and they came home, they would have every Wednesday was the mad meeting. The kids would meet with one therapist and then the mothers or parents would meet with the other. With whoever coached their kid would be their the parents uh meeting and they would bring food and they'd order pizzas and and they'd go in there, and they always had a piano, and I'd go in there all the time trying to sell them chocolates, yeah. and I'd make homemade chocolates. And I started hanging out there, just started just playing the piano and hanging out with these guys. In fact, I bumped into today somebody who used to go there, yeah. and he remembered me. He's like, I see him once in a while, and he's like, you remember back in the day at Dynamite Youth Center? And I think it's a fantastic program till today. Yeah, If you want to get clean, see, there's a difference. It's those who want to say, I want to stop, but then go back and do it. There's those that say, I've had enough. I've watched too many die in front of me. We know too many died in the past. I don't want no more part of this. So I'm going to go get cleaned. And you have to want to be clean. You have to, listen, I'm a degenerate gambler. I love playing cards. But I want, if I want to and that I feel like, hey, I need to go get stop gambling, then that's on me. Have you ever had a moment like that, though, where you feel like you need to stop gambling? You just lost a ton of money? Always. Like, this but is not, oh, always. Right? Always. But, you know, <laughs> what I've learned that show business is more important to me and comedy, and I like dressing nice for shows. So, you know, it's like, do I dress nice? Or do I gamble my money? If I gamble my money, there goes a bow tie, there goes a pocket square, there goes a jacket. Well, that's something that people can't control sometimes. You there's know? a lot of people can't control. Yeah, a lot of people. There's people with alcohol, there's people with drugs. I yeah. mean, like I said, we've lost in within the last five years, good five years, we've lost a lot of people. I lost a friend. He was doing morphine, which is something they give cancer patients when they're in very severe pain but towards the end of their life. And they give them morphine. And um, people that get shot, cops, they give him morphine, just a slight dose. And when they found him dead, he was foaming from the mouth. Another one, another one he was doing, uh, they found him, he overdosed on morphine, cocaine, and something else. Like Oxycontin, kind of the same thing as yeah, morphine a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah, Oxycontin, like that. And it, it's just a, a surge of, I mean, to me, it's like, what are you going to do? I mean, you, you want to be in this position. What do you mean? Well, I mean, if you if you try cocaine because of your peer pressured, and you're like, well, I need my cocaine now because that's the only way I know how to function. It's like it's a very slippery slope. Well, it is. It's a slippery slope for anything. If I have five hundred in my pocket, I'm like, do I go do the Ted Jones show today or do I go and play cards? It's what's more important to me and my career. Is it going to play cards and lose my money or go do the Ted Jones show? So I'm here, I'm doing the Ted Jones show. But it's also what people, it's just like you said, it's peer pressure. Somebody will call me up and go, hey, what are you doing tonight? Nothing much. You got a show? No, I'm not I'm done with my show. Come on, we're going to the cafe. We're going to play a couple of games of cards. Come on, hang out. We'll have some fun. And it's like, yeah, I play a lot of cards, but I've also performed a lot. I've, I'm tired, so I need a break. I'm going to go have some fun with my friends. And I may lose two, three hundred. And may turn around and borrow two, three hundred from somebody else. Oh, and go, damn. So now I have to owe them three hundred and be like, oh, now I owe somebody three hundred. Have you ever had the thought in your mind that you might 
get your legs broken or something by somebody who no, you owe money no, to? No, 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 no. First of all, I don't borrow from people like that. But yeah. I, you know, and anybody I borrow that are friends of mine, I don't borrow if I know I can't pay them back. Like I tell them, hey, you ain't gonna get this back for two weeks. You ain't gonna get this back till next month. You ain't gonna get this back for a week and yeah, a half. That's where people get in trouble a lot is they don't keep their word. You know, somebody be like, I'll, I'll pay you back in two days. You know, the well, week later I think, comes. I think today I think today's a little bit different, um because there's a lot of cameras out there and people you know, street cameras. Yeah, so why would that be different? Because it's like, you know, anything that people do They'll, they'll calculate, okay, so he walked into that place and he never walked out. So oh, just in general, so yeah, cameras have changed yeah, a lot. Yeah, the law has changed. But, again, these things are not something that I get involved with. I don't know anybody that do it. I don't know anybody that lent it. I don't want to borrow. I don't want to lend. And I don't. And it's just I want to live my life. Just entertain, have fun, do what God gives me to do. I believe that every day is a gift. A true gift, and I believe that. And God is there anything you you when you wake up in the morning and you say, since you're talking about every day being a gift, is there some phrase that Mario has that's in his head that other people might not know? No, I'm like, oh God, I'm alive. I woke up. <laughs> My eyes are open. Yeah. No, um, I don't know if it's a. Can I say gift? Um, it is a gift to me because um, I'm blessed because I'm able to say that I saw fifty. In seven months. And, you know, I believe that God directs me into the right paths, takes away me of situations that are maybe going to be harmful to me, maybe not be going to be good to me. And he puts me in other situations. Like I, I, uh, I applied for becoming my verification on Instagram. And I was like, mm, I'm going to give it a shot for the second time. First time I didn't do it right. So I forget how many things I got denied. It was disappointing to get denied. And I did it. And I woke up. Tuesday morning, I think, because I did a Sunday at 2 in the morning, which was Monday. And I think it was on a Tuesday. I woke up, and I see this thing on the top of my phone, and I'm scratching the phone. I'm going, maybe it's dirt. What the hell's on? <laughs> I'm looking, and I'm grabbing my eye, and I'm going, what? No way. What? No way. And I was like, oh. Since the last time, it was the first time I met you, which was probably like, a year and a half ago, you came to one of our shows at the stand and you're like, if you have any room, man, would love to do a spot. And I was like, who's this guy? And then since then, man, I've only seen you go onward Listen, and upward. I'm, and it's I'm, inspiring, I'm, bro. I'm, I'm, um, I'm the, I've learned this in this business and I've been in like a 36 years. How old are you? 31 and a half. 31 and a half. So he wasn't even in the thought of being. <laughs> his parents were probably just about getting engaged or getting married. Yeah, and or they were like 18. I don't know. Whatever they were. And they were just saying, we're going to have this kid at 31. And so it was, that was five and a half years. I was already in show business five and a half years. Wow. So that was 1991. Nice. Yeah. Wow. Do I know? When? When's your birthday? November 13th. Oh, Capricorn? No, no, Scorpio. Scorpio. I'm a Capricorn. Okay. My mother always said I was born with the horns. Good horns. The angels' horns. The angels, the <laughs> angels ain't got no horns. Angels got no horns unless they come from Bensonhurst, and then we call them whores. Oh, yeah, there you go. Nice. Yeah. I, I, I think that to, to, <coughs> to, to, if you guys ever come, and I speak from the heart, and if I speak on beyond that, pardon me. If you ever get a chance to come see 
this man Ted Jones in person. I said, I don't, I don't. What did they say? Blow smoke up your ass, or, or bark, bark to the wrong tree, or, you know, I help out those that show confidence to me. And if you don't have confidence, then I have no use. And I forgot that he had a stand show that he didn't put me on the fucking <laughs> No, but dude, in fairness to me, bro, you showed up out of nowhere. You're like, can I get some time? I was like, who is this guy? Well, and then, and then you know, but little then, did we then, know, then you, a few we, months later, then, we connected. Then we met somewhere else. We met somewhere else, and I, I don't know where it was we met. We met somewhere else, and I was like... I remember you were telling me, you were like, I do the Friars Club, I do some yeah, other clubs. Yeah, 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 but I met him somewhere else after that. I don't know. I met him another yeah, time after that, and it's like... Wow, this guy looks famous. And I saw some of his videos, and I was like, wow, this guy's going places. And then, like, I don't know. Oh, he invited me to come do your podcast. Yeah. And I came, and then I was like, hmm, okay. Then he's like, hey, we have the show at the Moxie. You want to do it? Like, yeah, you've done, you've done it twice now. Twice? Yes. And I love it. You know why I love it? Because it's like you give them a fantastic show. You give them a, a really good, and you get them high-powered. As a host of a show, and Ted could tell you this. I don't know if you, how long you've been doing comedy, but I've been doing it six, almost seven years. And you, the host, and I learned how to host. Hosting is like being a cake decorator. Anybody could layer a cake and stack it on top of each other. But then comes the design part, and it's warming up the audience, getting them going, getting them laughing, trying to hit them up. You know, doing whatever it takes to get them warmed up and get them ready. Get them. Are you guys ready for your first comic? Come on, guys. Well, I, I saw you got a you got a standing ovation the other night at uh, one of those clubs at, at near McDougal. What was the what was the circumstance? Were you hosting? No, I wasn't hosting. I closed the show. I was and uh, I got eggs and I was so excited. <laughs> it was my first time closing the show and they just gave me a standing ovation and yeah. they started chanting Mario, Mario, Mario. <laughs> no. It, it's a great moment to be able to um, to do a fantastic... And it was at the comedy shop, and I love the comedy shop. How comfortable are you on stage right now? If somebody was like, Mario, go up on stage, do as much time as you can. I could do 25, okay. 20, 25. I, yeah. could, I could do 20. I can't say I could do 30 because I have over 30 minutes worth of material, but I cannot say to you I am prepped for 30. Right. I'm prepped for 20 to 25. And, and what's the most amount of time you've done? I've done about 27. Okay. So I, I probably could do 30. I could mingle in some conversations with people in between and hope to stretch the joke a little bit and hope not to jump on people's laps. It's like, to me, it's like driving a car. I tell these to all the comedians, don't speed. When they lift, pull back on the gas. Pull back on the, let the, the, the lift go down a little bit and then, Pound, pound them with the second joke that's going to get them back up. Accelerate? Accelerate, break a little. Accelerate, break a little. And you accelerate as the joke goes. If you don't get the laughs, then you accelerate to the next joke. But if, you, if, you're, if you're getting the laughs, you tell the first joke, break. Let the laughs come. Just as you hit a ha, 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 and you, you know it by mentally, you'll know it because you've experienced it. George Burns said it the right way. I start my joke, and then I light a cigar. And then he says, takes his puff while they're laughing. Tells the second joke. They're laughing. 
Not a puff. Not a joke. <laughs> puff. By the time the cigar's over, the show's over, they've got their lives. He's got his smoke and the party's over. And good night. What's been the best moment in comedy thus far for you? Uh, opening up for Adam Carolla. Good friend to Jimmy Kimmel. Open up for Kevin James at Governor's Comedy Club. Love Kevin James. This Love was pretty Kevin. recent? Uh, within two years, three That's years. Um, uh, what else is there? I think I met, I think I opened Adam Carolla in yeah. 2021. I opened uh, for Kevin James at Governor's at 2019. 2019. That was four years ago. Um, Mike Marino. Tricks recently, Jay Reed um, in Vegas at the Jimmy Kimmel Comedy Club. Butch Braley, great guy. Butch Braley at the L.A. Comedy Club in Las Vegas. Um, kind of see where else. I've opened up for a lot of great ones. Uh, what do you see for Mario Bosco Jeff the Ross. Jeff Ross. My, my boy, Jeff Ross. I met <laughs> Jeff Ross at Cosby, not the Cosby show. Cosby had a full set of hair. And then we came bound into the Friars Club and then... Once he was a friend of Jimmy Kimmel, I was always hanging around. We'd always be together. And I've gotten to open for him twice at Caroline's. Once at the, once at the, um, my aunt, was it the Miami? Oh, no, the West Palm Beach Improv. Um, like four times I've opened for him. And he always gives me an opportunity. Going forward, though, what do you see yourself doing? Hoping Tough to question. live, hoping yeah. to see 60 within the next 10 years, hoping yeah. to see life, hoping to go to the next level, become hoping that um, real soon, probably by the next year, by the end of next year, being a full 30, 35 minute feature, um, probably probably within the next five years being a headliner, hopefully. Most headliners take 12 to 15 years to be a headliner. I'm hoping to do it earlier. Uh, big on social media. You know, I always say that social media was a great opportunity these days because back then to get popularity, you had to be on a sitcom or a commercial. And if you were like me who didn't know how to sing or dance, I couldn't do jingles. Do you know what a jingle is? 1-800-09-8600-BOSCA. Woo! Love it to Ted Jones. You just reminded me of Kelsey Grammer. Kelsey Grammer did a... Kelsey Grammer, Lydia Cornell from Too Close to the what, sh what show was Kelsey Grammer? Felicity or no? No, he was on Frasier. Frasier, oh my God, I can't believe I said that. Cheers, yes, Frasier. Cheers and Frasier. And I've met... I got to uh, meet him once before, and then I, they asked me to do a video with this guy. The guy that did it died. He was a scammer, but he ended up going on YouTube, but it was Kelsey Grammer. Lydia Cornell from Too Close for Comfort with Ten Night and Scott Bayo. And and it was fantastic. It's just live your life. Inspiration. I live for inspiration. I hope to help the next future generation of Do you have any quotes for kids who are not doing so well in middle school and high school now? Just live life. Be dream, dream, dream. All you gotta do is dream. I have a saying, dream till your dreams come true and live your best life. Be who you are. I mean, I am an example. I am a true example of what life is. My expectancy at, at birth was maybe to survive a year. 
survive that year. Then they said, well, we'll see what happens. He's not going to we'll see. Maybe they, my mother asked the doctor one time, what do you see him at? Well, maybe 15, 20, 25, maybe 25. And it's uh, 50 years old. And, and your mom and dad just had belief that you'd survive every single year. Every single year was a struggle for w- them. My mother would say it's in God's hands. That's what my mother would say. It's my mother would do. They, If I survived to 21 or 25 and that was it, I'd say to myself, well, they did everything in power that could have been done. And God needs another angel. I made it to 25. I made it to 50. Wow, it's like people 50, they go, oh, we don't tell nobody we're 50. I spoke to somebody like, you're 50. Shh, don't tell nobody. Was that another comic or something? No, nah, just some random, but I'm like, are you kidding me? I go out there on stage, I go, people, I just turned 50. But like, I don't tell people everything about my life on stage. I've opened comedy, I've opened more up. My book, the hardest chapter to write was about my health. And uh, make it a sip of water. Please. It was the hardest. Thank you. I got you. You're the best. Is this a Ted Jones glass? Yeah. Sometimes people are like, what's in this water? Just the New York City tap. The best. <laughs> Dude, literally the best. I know people that come from Delaware, Iowa, and they come here. My cousin comes from Atlanta, Georgia, with, yeah. with, with containers. That she freezes and they just fill it up. Of New York water? New York water. That's so funny. One thing that is a blessing is in New York, like my dad lives in Florida. And when I go visit him. Thank you. I cannot go in the middle of the night and just stick my head under the faucet in the kitchen. You know, here, that's like all I do. Yeah. I never, never really need bottled water. Because, because it's the way you are. See, you're, you're. you're like a loaf of bread. A loaf of bread, you'd be like, yeah, it's just dough sitting there and it's got oil and butter. But that's going to turn into a golden loaf of bread that you're going to be like, wow, do I eat it? Or do I take a picture and put it up and put it on the mantle? Like, what the fuck do you do? Yeah. Quotes, stay to you. Don't be pushed by anybody. Don't be pestered by anybody. Don't let nobody move you and tell you you need to do this drug to keep you happy. No, you don't. Don't have anybody say, hey, if you don't take these pills, you're not going to be part of our group. Well, then fuck you and your group, I would tell them. I don't need you. Just be you. Be who you are and strive. I remember, and I watched this. I know I've overstayed my welcome. No, you have not. Okay. I remember when I started out, there was an episode of a TV show called Maud. Do you know what Maud is? Okay, Maud was, did you ever hear Maud in the family? Yes. Okay. Maud had a, a character named Edith Bunker, who was Archie Bunker's wife. Edith Bunker had a cousin named Maud. She was on All in the Family. Archie and Edith, Archie and Maud never got along. Well, it was played by B. Arthur, and B. Arthur got her own spinoff of Maud. And an episode... Where they ex, she's running for politics and she's given an interview, and they see her on TV and they says, "Maud, why at this age are you running for politics?" And Maud froze and said, "If I don't strive, then I'm not gonna make it." I open those doors. Open every door that you possibly could open. Open the door because you're gonna be going through me. If I don't open that door, then I'm gonna wonder what's behind it. What was behind that door that I closed? Like, if I didn't come today and I turn around and say, you know what, Ted, I'm not going to make it. I got to go 
jump a hike or you know you know uh fall off the curb or whatever you call it um then it'd be like wow what did i miss what did i miss it could be new followers it could be people reaching out people talking to me people standing by you guys listening it's all about peer pressure in this world and you guys don't need it especially young ones young ones don't need pe- nobody peer pressures is me never did now even as a kid nobody ever said hey kid you want some drugs i got some cocaine did you ever drink alcohol I've had drink once in a while. I'll have a champagne. When I was a kid, I, I always liked, um, not a kid, let's say. Well, somewhat. I, I never <laughs> liked beer. My father, once in a while, if company came, we'd always have a small, the little uh, Michelos or the Miller Lights, the little beer bottles. There was just single, one, one couple of gulps, and then we'd throw them away. And because we weren't an alcoholic, but then we'd have alcohol in the cabinet. We'd wash the bottles every six months just. Just say that get they, the dust off. Get yeah. the dust, and we moved them around. Really, never had any. We never, we never cooked with it. We never ate with it. We never had wine on the table. My parents weren't like that. But when company came, we did. I'd have anisette in my coffee as a kid. What's I'd, that? Anisette, it's like licorice. So it's like it's like liquid candy to to Italians. Mm-hmm. It's like I'm gonna have a little sambuca, or I'm gonna have a little. Oh yeah. Sambuca. So we didn't have sambuca because sambuca was more modern. In the 80s, it was Anisette. My uncle would come with the Anisette cookies. You had Anisette cookies? No. Oh, well, I got to get you Anisette cookies. Please. Anisette cookies, they're so good. And they have that, like, licorice taste to it, minty licorice. They're really good. And you would put Anisette. I was like, what the hell is that in the mirror? I did that to It was you. And you would, <laughs> I'd have Anisette with my espresso. I told my mother, I want a little espresso. No. Then you're not sleeping tonight. You're not sleeping. The mother, then you gotta go to school. Mother, disgraziato. No. And I'd always take the pot and I'd pour a little espresso. And I got to the point in life when my mother made it. Mario, put the espresso on. Ma, you want me to make the coffee? Yeah, make it the coffee. Go make it the coffee. Go pick it the espresso. Make the magnet. Read a magnet. If you have a magnet out at home, you know what he's talking about. You know, you know what I'm talking about. Did your mom speak Italian to you? Yeah, that, yeah. Like a lot more so than English or, or no? Oh, my mother hardly spoke English. Oh, yeah. All Italian, Sicilian, you know. Uh, disgraziato was her favorite word, which is you disgraceful bastard. <laughs> disgraziato? Yeah. So that's like the opposite of graziato? Yeah. Did you, it's like you're disgraced. Yeah, yeah. Did you ever get hit with anything as a kid? What do you mean? Like physically? Yeah. I think like one time my dad like shoved me, but like that was it. It wasn't, we got it wasn't hit. too serious. Yeah, you got away with nothing. <laughs> we got a hit with the tops of pots. Damn. Wooden spoons. Okay. Shoes. Was what? this like all on your butt though? Or like No, whatever. Like just your... Whatever I did wrong. I dropped one time a pot of hot water in the kitchen. Just dropped it. I just like it just fell out of my hand and water all over graziato. Do you live in an apartment? And my mother took the top of the pot and just went Smacked poof and it. Like a frisbee. Like Do you, a frisbee. Li- you lived in an apartment? Yeah, I lived in an apartment, third floor. Crazy. We had a small apartment, but people be like, my mother used to go, but we're four people in here. And they hear us every day, every day. Well, these people, they don't shut up. and They don't die. They don't die. These people, they don't shut up all day. My neighbor. But we knew all the neighbors. So my mother would go, Mario, go put the coffee pot. And I go, which one? Add the medium. 
Then we have 10 months that we have bought per mile. Which part you want me to put? Edgar, you gotta put the three parts. The three parts. Pretty quick. Go put the three parts. The bigger one, they make it 20. They came to your 10. apartment for coffee? Oh, yeah. We were the Italians. We made all the espresso. Oh. Made all the espresso. We'd go get two bottles of Sambuca, one bottle of Lanzetta, one bottle of Jim Remy Martin. We'd have all them. We'd bring it everything on the table outside. Now you have a block party, you can't put alcohol outside. Yeah. We used to have the macaneta. Anybody who have a macaneta at home, you know you unscrew it. I just explained it before. And then there's a little thing in it. you ever pull the thing out of the coffee machine? You guys go to that fancy button The French press. press. The French press or the button <laughs> press. We hit, the thing has a, a penis-looking thing. It's this round thing with a little... With a little thing, it looks like a dick called the dicky, <laughs> and you'd put you can't overload it because then it's gonna you could blow the pot apart. And I already did one one or two of those, and you put one spoon, two spoon, three, and my mother go not too much, little more on top just to glaze it, and then we have a packer. You pack. Do you do you make espressos now, like every morning? No. no. no? You're no. not a coffee guy. I'm not a coffee guy, but if I am a coffee guy, I'll, I'll just go to the bar and. Have an espresso. Let me get a goddamn coffee. Well, I don't leave God. I don't leave say that, but uh. Let me get a darn coffee. Let me get a lemon cafe before. If it's an Italian place, Mario. What do you like? You like uh, macchiatos? Me, or, I'm or, a black iced coffee guy. I like espressos and americanos, but I like my coffee black. Americano. You know what americano is? It's an espresso shot with water. Yeah, it's right? the stupidest. Well, thing. I like to have more. Liquid in the so, cup than just a little fucking cup. Okay, so listen to this. Listen to this. If you take American coffee and you take espresso or water, it's the same thing. This guy just told me he has till 6.15. I hate to break yeah. his news, but it's 6.15. I know. Where Mario, are you heading to tonight? I have uh, dinner with my mother, actually. So I got to go uh, get oh, over there. Nice. Where's she taking us? Uh, <laughs> nice. Wherever you want to go. Woo! Uh, Papa John's, an Italian place. We'll go right? to Cipriani. Yeah, we'll go to Cipriani, Midtown or Wall Street. You take your pick. Mario Bosco, good to see you, buddy. Always, Always a good to see you. Thank you, guys. Before we get out of here, we're going to pop up your Instagram, so please let us know where we can find you. Yes, you can find me right here or right here. <laughs> <laughs> Mario Bosco Comedy. I have an episode coming out on the Ted Jones Show, and I'm so excited. I also have an episode coming out of Growing Up Italian. Great to hear. Mario, thank you so much, as always. Guys, follow him. He's freaking hilarious. Mario, we'll see you later. Peace.